Pastor John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this lesson from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from the Scriptures will equip and motivate you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. Today in our D6 study, we're talking about our D6 family theme for the week is standing for truth. And this week together collectively, we're going to be studying out of 1 Kings chapter 18. And last week I spoke a little bit about Elijah. We're going to be unpacking chapter 18, uh, the event where Elijah, in the face of all odds, obviously against his culture and against the grain, uh, took a stand for truth and God heard and answered that. So our D6 theme for the week is standing for truth. And we're going to be putting some implication on how we need to be doing that today. And that's a little bit of what I want to speak on today. But a key word that really jumped out to me in this week's theme is the word truth. Standing for truth. And I want to try to unpack that briefly. Here's our goal for the week. Now all of this is in your sermon notes if you can't read this. Um, But the goal is simply to comprehend the importance of having a personal faith significant enough To impact the culture around us for Christ. What really jumped off the page to me when I look at our D6 theme of what it is. Do you not have that copy, Ethel? Do you not have that? We need need sermon notes in the back. Anybody got sermon notes? We need these in the back right here. There we go. I could see uh, I could see a bewildered look on the face of my mother-in-law, and Lord knows I can't sit here the whole service and see that bewildered look. So we've got to get that taken care of, right? Because what's the old saying? If Mama ain't happy, nobody's happy, right? So, but two things that jump off the page to me this week in our D6 theme, as well as the goal for us. The first word is the word truth. That we are standing for truth. The second thing that really jumped off the page to me this week in our study together as we go into the week is the phrase, impact our culture for Christ. And I have that highlighted for you. Impact the culture around us for Christ. Well, I want to try to speak to that end today and really try to um, jump into this a little bit. But before I go much further, why don't we just go to the Lord in prayer together and just pray the Lord opens up our hearts and our mind and help us to receive His word today, okay? Father, thank you for our time together today, and thank you, Lord, for each one that's here. Uh, We just ask that you speak to us. Right now, Lord, we push the pause button in life, and we're all extremely busy, and we all have different things going on in all of our lives, and we all have different challenges and frustrations and area in our life that we're working through. And Lord, I just pray we can push the pause button briefly, and that we can just focus here for the next few moments on you and we invite you into our presence and we pray that you speak to our heart and speak to our lives and give us insight to the theme of the week that we stand for truth but also that we can live out the goal of the week and that's to impact our culture around us for you lord i pray you speak to our hearts today and give us wisdom and insight in jesus name we pray amen 
I want to speak to you briefly as a way of introduction, really on this one word, and it's the one word truth. I want you to look in your sermon notes. I put a couple of things there for you to try to introduce this topic and get us all thinking in the same direction. I want you to see that the Bible teaches that God has revealed his word to us in Scripture. And in doing so, because we have the inspired, infallible, inerrant word of God, because we have the word of God That means three things for every single one of us. And I put that in your notes. Number one, it means that all of humanity, everybody, all of humanity has access to truth that applies to all people at all times. Truth never changes. Would you agree? Truth never changes, especially God's truth. It never changes. It applies to all people of all generations at all times. The second thing I want you to see also is that we have a truth that transcends our limited and sometimes mistaken perception. Sometimes we can look at something and we can perceive something maybe not to be true or not, but yet we, can, we know that God's truth transcends our own opinions or perceptions whenever we look at something because God's truth is always true which means the third thing in short we have something that is not politically correct today we have something called absolute truth now don't look at me like a bullfrog in a hailstorm it's okay Because God's word has final authority over everything in all of our lives. Matter of fact, that's exactly what Tyler was preaching, right? Matter of fact, Tyler did all the singing today. He did the praying today. And he did the preaching today. We should just dismiss and go home because the message really already been preached, right? But we have something called absolute truth. But our culture today struggles with that. So how do we impact our culture for the cause of Christ when we're in the midst of a culture that does not believe the Word of God or the principles of the Word of God or the truth that is unpacked and revealed for us in the Word of God? Well, that's what I want to try to unpack for us here briefly today. You could speak for hours on this subject, but I'm just going to try to keep you about another 20 minutes or so and try to wind this thing down. But I want you to see this. I want you to understand there is something called absolute truth. But a common view today, and I have this in your notes, is that truth is relative. That truth is changing with the person and or the situation. Right? Well, let me tell you something. That's not what God's Word teaches. That's what our culture has accepted. But I go back to what Tyler said. It doesn't matter what I believe. It doesn't matter what the culture believes. It doesn't matter what your friends believe. It doesn't matter what mom and daddy says. What matters is what God says. Amen? Are you with me? Say amen or oh me, but stay with me here, okay? We're talking about truth. And we're talking about how we, as believers, can make a stand and impact our culture for the cause of Christ by understanding what truth really is. I'm going to put a statement up here, ask you if you agree or disagree. But George Barna, the pollster, survey guy, sent this out 
across America, and he asked this random sampling of adults whether they agreed or disagreed with this particular statement. And the statement reads as such, there is no such thing as absolute truth. Two people could define truth in totally conflicting ways, but both could still be correct. Don't raise your hand. I don't want to know what you're thinking right here, to be honest with you. I want to have a great day. (laughs) But do you agree or disagree? Look at this. There is no such thing as absolute truth. Two people could define truth in conflicting ways, but both could still be correct. You know what the statistic came back? As George Barna surveyed Americans, 72% of Americans agree with that statement. Is that not sad, depressing? 72% of Americans agree with that statement. But what's even even more sad, if you will, is that 62% of born-again believers agree with that statement. Now, let me just, it bewilders me. How can you study God's Word and not believe in an absolute truth? How can you study the principles of Scripture and not believe In an absolute truth. Well, there's no wonder we as Christians today are not making an impact on our culture and on our society. Right? When 62% of born-again believers do not even believe in absolute truth. Are you with me? Is it any wonder? Is it any wonder that Christianity has become the faith that everybody can slam, that everybody can abuse, that everybody can knock around, that everybody can say they have no rights, they're just believers, they're just Christians, they're just Christ followers? Is there any reason? Actually, probably not, because we are the minority, especially when 62% of born-again believers believe that this is a true statement. The percentage of who reject absolute truth is growing faster and faster and faster and faster. Hey, by the way, did I tell you I'm going to be a grandpa? Did I tell you that? Yes, I'm going to be a grandpa, right? In March, I'm going to be a papa, grandpa, pappy. I don't care what. By the way, it's going to be a girl. I don't care what she calls me, right? Just call me every day. That's all I'm looking for, right? Can you imagine what life is going to be like for her in 20, 25 years from now? If we, as responsible, born-again believers, Christ followers, if we do not believe in a truth, and if we do not impact our culture today for truth, can you imagine what it's going to be like in 20, 25 years from now when our grandchildren are becoming young adults and trying to live in a culture and in a society that completely rejects where even the church, over 62% of believers right now currently reject absolute truth? 
And we wonder today why killings are so high. By the way, for those that agree with this statement, for those 62% of believers that agree with this statement, then I ask you the question, why are you so appalled when there are high school or school shootings? Why are you so appalled when there are murders? Why are you so appalled when all of these ridiculous, hideous things take place in our nation today? Why are we so appalled at that if we don't believe in absolute truth? I mean, killing someone in my world is wrong. Taking someone's life in my world, in my biblical world view, is wrong. But if I'm going to reject the biblical worldview, then who says it's wrong? Who has that authority? No one if I reject absolute truth because both could still be correct. Do you see how absurd this is? So really, this in our study this week, in our D6 Fusion devotional study guide, it's going to be an amazing study this week. And we're going to see how we are to stand for truth in the midst of a culture that does not believe in absolute truth. But yet we as believers can make an impact in this culture today. But it's going to take us making a stand. And it's going to take us making a stand on the right things. I mean, I look look at our news today, and I look at our culture today, and I look at society today, and I look at social media today, and there's people taking just ignorant stands today on things that are not absolute truth. People pushing their own agenda to try to get their own thing that they believe in through. Guys, we need a revival in America today. And what we need is for our nation. No, 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 no. What we need is for our church For believers to get back to believing that there is one final higher authority in everything that we may say, do, or believe in. And that is the Lord God Almighty and His Word. And there is absolute truth that one day every single one of us are going to answer to. Amen? I'm trying to say all this with a smile on my face because I know it's not politically correct. Right? But we've got to stand on truth. We've got to stand on the truth of the Word of God and the principles that are founded in the Word of God. Oh, wow. There's so much more I could say. Here's what you get. And I think, I think, I think. Let me look at my sermon notes here. Yes, you need to fill this blank in. Look on the back side of your sermon notes. To impact this culture, to impact this culture, to reclaim this culture... We, need to, we all need to develop something in our life. Right here, you need to fill this in. We need to develop a biblical world view on all of life. Right? We need to look at the world today through not necessarily what do I feel is right or wrong. To be honest with you, it doesn't matter what you feel. It doesn't matter what I feel may be right or wrong. It doesn't matter how you may or may not have been raised. What does matter is what does God's Word say about it, right? 
I mean, Tyler was all over my message today, and I, I didn't even tell him what I was preaching on. But he just tore it up today. He was all over it. Every song lines up with exactly what I'm preaching on today. His testimony, what he was sharing, is right on target with what I am preaching on today. Folks, listen, we as the church, we must look at our world. Get this, not through the lens of Fox News, not through the lens of CNN, not through the lens of Hollywood. We must look at our world through the lens of Scripture. We must have a biblical world view can the church say amen right there can you put your politics aside enough to say amen right there hello church listen i don't i don't care if you're republican i don't care if you're democrat i don't care who you're voting for my hopes in none of that and thank god hello this is good there's a line. I'm trying not to cross it. Right? <laughs> We've got to have a biblical world view. Let me ask you this question here. Check it out. Here's a picture for you. On the left, what is that? What is this? A thermometer. On the right is a thermostat. Let me ask you the question. Which one of these? Do you align yourself with most? Are you a thermometer or are you a thermostat? Well, what's the difference in the two? And I want you to fill in the blank on this because I want you to see this. A thermostat, I want you to see, makes an impact on the room, right? I walk over here and I'm going to go off screen for Facebook Live so I have not left. I will be back. But if I come over here to this thermostat, which has a lock on it. I figured out how to manipulate that, by the way. And stick a little wire up in there and kind of push it. But I can go and push those buttons. And you know what I can do? I can make that temperature go, man, we've got, a, we've got an air condition unit in here like you would not believe. I guarantee you we could hang meat in here. Right? If I push that down a little bit more, we could make the walls frost on the side. Right? Now, a thermostat is all it's going to tell you is it's cold. I mean, a a thermometer, all it's going to tell you is that it is cold. But a thermostat can make it cold, right? A thermostat has impact on things that it, it, it is around or the room. A thermostat, on the other hand, is just an indicator. It's an indicator as to what the climate is. So my question goes back to you. Are you... A thermostat or a thermometer. A thermometer is going to stand up and says, it's almost like the Eeyore syndrome. Oh, we live in a bad time, right? Everything is bad. But you're making no impact whatsoever. I mean, with, with, with your lifestyle and things you do and things you say and what you're involved in and, and, and the list goes on and on and on and on. You're just a, a thermometer. You're just an indicator of what's going on around you. The church for too long has been a thermometer, right? We as believers for too long have been a thermometer. 
I mean, we just get in our little small groups and we meet at our little coffee shops and we just complain about how the world is so bad. But yet we're not doing a thing in the world to make a difference. You know what we need to be today? You know what my prayer is today? That you leave here today and you decide in your heart that I am no longer going to be a thermometer. That as of today, I am going to be a thermostat because what I want to do, I want to make an impact first and foremost in my family, then in my community, in my church, and it goes on and on and on. It's amazing what type of impact we can make. But we're going to have to get back to the place where we just quit being a thermometer and we quit saying the world is bad and we quit wishing that things were like they used to be. Hello? I can always tell those folks that have lost their edge. They're not willing to make an impact today. They just want to be a thermometer today, indicating how bad everything is today and wishing that everything was like it was 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. You're a thermometer, honey. Hello? Right? If you want to make an impact, if you want to see things change, then you must get to the place where, you know what? I am going to be a thermostat. I'm going to speak into this subject. Now, I'm not saying you've got to get out there on the world and get a megaphone and get on a street corner and tell everybody in the world what you believe or even get on Facebook and air it all out. Script, there's a part, the scripture says that we are not to cast our pearls before the swine. Hello? That means there are some arguments that you just don't need to get in. Are you with me? There's some folks you just ain't going to, and I know that's not good English, but it makes for good preaching. Right? There's some folks you just ain't going to convince. Hello? When that, whenever I see that, I'm like, I just pray for them. God help them. God help them. You know? Sometimes it's better just to pray and zip it. Don't even address it. Just pray and zip it. But then there are times when you do need to address it. And you know where it starts, church? It starts in your family. You know where it really starts? It starts around your dining room table. You know one of the... One of the and I have a pet peeve right here. But, but you know one of the tools that our culture and society started using way back in the... I don't know when it was. Maybe the 70s. That's when I was first introduced to it. When did the microwave come out? When was that? 80s, 70s? It's in the 70s, I think, wasn't it? Somebody help me out here. Somebody Google that, right? Somebody Google that. When did, when did the microwave come out? Was it the 80s? I remember when the first one came out, and I was still living at home. Somebody's done Googled it, right? What is it? Talk to me, church. Who? In 67. It didn't get in my household in 67. Right? It was probably $4,000 in 67 if it came out then, right? It didn't get in my household in 67. And it got in my household late 70s. That's about the earliest I remember it. But there was something that I remember that, um, that mom would go and she would purchase these things at the grocery store called TV dinners, right? You drop those babies in the microwave. You push the button in about two and a half, three minutes or put them in the oven, either one, depending on what type of packaging it's in. But you know what I'm saying here. But then you get the, you get the TV dinner and you go to the living room and you sit on the couch and you watch TV. And now you got the whole family in the living room sitting on the couch eating their TV dinner, watching TV. You know what you have lost? You have lost the opportunity to make an impact on your family. 
You know where the best teaching, the best place you can make an impact on your family is? And I'm, I'm mainly preaching to the young couples here and the young families here. You know the best place where you can make an impact is around your dinner table. Get around that table. Get the whole family together. No, you can't bring electronic devices to the table. You can't bring phones to the table. You're going to sit around the table and we're going to talk as a family because it's at this location where I get to, as the daddy of the house, where I get to make my impact on my family, where I am going to stand for truth and I'm going to make an impact in the culture that lives within the four walls of my house. Amen? Is that not good stuff? Oh, my goodness. You don't have to get you an interview on Fox News or CNN. You don't have to go on the street corner. You don't have to go to the public square to make an impact. You can make an impact every single day on your family if you'll gather them around the dinner table and sit there as a family and talk about the issues of the day and talk about the principles that are founded in the Word of God. You can start making an impact And if we all did that collectively as a church, we would make a difference. But we've gotten lazy. Hello? We've gotten lazy. And we're no longer willing to make that stand. Oh, there's so much more I want to talk about. And I am, by the way, I'm still in my introduction. I'm trying to get through this. I'm not going to be able to unpack all of this about Daniel. I have it in your sermon notes. You can read the book of Daniel. We're going to be studying 1 Kings chapter 18 collectively together this week, and that is on Elijah and the impact that he made by standing for truth in that day. And that's in 1 Kings chapter 18, amazing victory that took place. And you're going to have all these fusion facts that you're going to work through Monday through Friday to help you understand what it looks like to stand for truth and impact our culture for the cause of Christ. But there is another culture warrior in Scripture, and his name is Daniel. Daniel was taken out of his homeland into Babylon, taken into captivity there, and he was introduced to a new culture in a new society that was changing everything about him, that was challenging everything he had been taught. All of his teachings were going to be changed. His diet was going to be changed. But I love Daniel chapter 1, verse 8. I don't have time to unpack all of this, but this is an amazing verse. In Daniel 1, 8, it says, But Daniel purposed in his heart. That he would not defile himself with the king's meat and with the king's wine. In other words, there was a day and a time in Daniel's heart and Daniel's life as a young teenage boy. And by the way, he wasn't 45 years old when he was carried into captivity. Studies tell us that we believe somewhere between the age of 18 and 20 when he was carried into captivity. But he had already had some biblical convictions that he was basing his life upon. That he had purposed in his heart before he was confronted with the situation. He had already made some decisions in his heart before he was exposed to them that's the value of the dining room table that's the value of instilling the word of god into the heart of our children that's the value of the mission statement of victory church loving god loving others passing our faith to the next generation right daniel had already purposed in his heart that he was not going to defile himself so then when he was confronted with a lifestyle change that he realized contradicted the word of God. He told his captor, or captor said, hey, give me ten days. Let me live out God's word for ten days according to the teachings of the word of God. Let me live that out. What we got going on, Brad? Okay, that's fine. Let's let it disconnect. 
We're going to live out the Word of God in my life regardless of what it is that I am going to be confronted with. Daniel said, I've purposed in my heart. I'm, going to eat, I'm not going to eat the king's meat or drink the king's wine. I'm going, to, I'm going to live out God's principles. Just give me vegetables and water. Give me ten days. You look at the rest of the guys in ten days. Then you come and look at me in ten days. And Scripture teaches us, and this is all in the book of Daniel. I don't have time to show it all to you and unpack it for you. I've given you the references. You can be able to look it up there. But Scripture tells us that in ten days that Daniel and his buddies look ten times better. Ten times better. Not a little bit better. Ten times better. Hey, you want to come out ten times better in life? You want to come out ten times better? I want to come out ten times better in life. I want my kids to come out ten times better in life. Did I tell you that I'm going to be a grandpa? I want my granddaughter to come out ten times better in life. You know what I've got to do? I've got to impact my family. I've got to stand on the Word of God. I've got to preach these principles and, and, and make them applicable to the next generation. I must stand on those because, like Daniel, I want my family to come out ten times better than what the world looks like today. And that can happen, church. But it's when we make a stand on the truth of God's Word. Are you with me? Say amen or oh me. Oh, my goodness, what time is it? I've got like 11.28. Is that close? No? What time do you guys have? Oh, don't worry. <laughs> don't worry about it. Okay. Well, my iPad, or my, not my iPad, my tablet says 11.36. I don't know why it says that. My watch says like 11.29, so I don't know what's right here. But let me give about five more minutes here. Actually, let's, let's get into this. I want you to jot these two things down. Number one... For us to make an impact in our culture today, for us to make an impact in society today, for us to stand for truth, two things that must transpire in our life. Tyler's already preached this in the song set. We sang about it in a couple of the songs. But number one, we've got to realize that our identity is in Christ and not in the world. Paul, that's huge. We've got to realize our identity is in Christ. Psalm 139 and verse number 13. I want you to look at this passage of Scripture. The psalmist is talking to God. He says that you created every part of me. You put me together in my mother's womb. Who is it that's created us? Who is it? It's God. The psalmist says you created me. You are the one who put me together. That's why I can look at my wife and say, hey, if you don't like this, you got to take it up with God. He created this, right? He put me together. Hello? <laughs> look at her, yeah. She likes it. She gave me a thumbs up. Listen to Jeremiah 1.5. Listen to this. It says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Ho, 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 church. Here's another one of those uh, principles that our culture has accepted, but, and unfortunately, half the church has accepted. This is a baby in the mother's womb. Matter of fact, this is the prophet Jeremiah. And I want you to look. He says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were even conceived. Do you think God has a plan for every single one of us? Sure he does. He had a plan for the prophet Jeremiah. He says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated. What's that word consecrated mean? The word consecrated means to be set aside. 
this baby grand electronic piano that was graciously donated by Tom and Sharon Seibert to our church many years ago, which is a beautiful instrument, an amazing instrument, a very expensive instrument, has been consecrated for the glory of God. What do you mean by that? It's been set aside to be used in church worship. Right? And it can be used anywhere. It can be out there being used in, in the world. It can be used for Satan and his game, right? I mean, piano is not good or bad in and of itself, right? But it's been consecrated. It's been set aside. Do you know what God has planned for every single one of us? Is that we've been set aside for his use. We've been consecrated for his glory and for his honor. He said, I knew you. He said, I formed you. And I'd already consecrated you. Look at the next thing. He said, I appointed you. To do what? He had a job and a ministry for Jeremiah before he was even conceived in his mother's womb. He said, I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. And we go and we read about the life of Jeremiah and we can see where God, he, just, he lived out what God had appointed him to be and do. I wonder, when we think about abortion in our world today, I wonder... And we see the world today trying to find a cure for cancer. I wonder if God said, you know what? I appointed a guy that was going, that I had given the plan to cure cancer in the world today. But you killed him in the mother's womb, or her in the mother's womb. Jeremiah 1, 5. God said, before you even were conceived. I appointed you to be the prophet to these nations, to preach and weep to them and share with them what thus saith the Lord. Why? Because I love these people, so therefore I've appointed you before you're even conceived. I've consecrated you. I've formed you. I've appointed you. I have a plan for you before you're even conceived that you could be a prophet. What if? All the L's in our world today, God loves us so much. He said, you know what? I'm going to raise someone to take care of that. I'm going to raise up someone to take care of that. I'm going to raise up someone to take care of that. But in our world today, we abort and we abort and we abort and we abort. Hello? Say, preacher, that's not popular. I know it's not popular. But it's a principle of the word of God. It's the truth that we got to stand on. Now, just let me say this. Because I really believe in this. If there's a mother out there that's had an abortion, I want you to know there's forgiveness for her. And God has, still has a plan for her. And God has a life for her. And, 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 and it's a mistake. And, and, and all you got to do is repent. And that's got to forgive you. And God can raise up and live out an amazing plan and purpose in your life. You're not to be thrown away. We can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Did I tell you I'm going to be a grandpa, right? Hello? We got to stand on those principles. Philippians 2.13, here's another passage. It is God who is at work in you. Who's at work in us? It's God. It is God at work in us, in us both to will and to work out my own pleasures. Is that what Scripture says? No. What does the Scripture say? For it is God who is at work in you both to will and to work for what? His good pleasure. By the way, I want you to 
poke your neighbor on the shoulder right now. I want you to tell them, listen, life is not about you. Go ahead. It's really not about you. It's not. It's it's really not about whether you're happy or not. It's really not about whether you're whatever you're. It's really not about you. Okay. The sooner we learn that, the happier we're going to be as people. Life is not about me. Life is not about you. Life is living out God's plan and God's purpose and God's calling in my life. That's what life is about. Hello. Our identity is in Christ. It's in Christ alone. Now let me tell you, I I put some things here in my notes that I want you to get. Our identity is in Christ. It's not in our world. Our identity is not in our building. Our identity is not in our career. Our identity is not in our hobbies. Our identity is not in our sport. Our identity is not in our city. It's not in our bank account. I added a couple more. Our identity is not in our politics, nor is our identity in our race. Are you with me? Our identity is in Christ the Lord. I am a believer in Jesus Christ. I am a Christ follower. I'm not just a white man. Hello? I am a believer in Jesus Christ. I am a Christ follower. Jesus died for the sins of the entire world. And anybody that's, I'm just going to say, anybody that's a racist is not of God. Hello? You know what my dream is for Victory Church? You know what my dream is for our church? Not that we be politically correct, but that we live out Revelation chapter 7, verse number 9, in reality here with people. You say, what does that say, preacher? Sorry, Byron. I added this one later. Matter of fact, just now. (laughs) Look in Revelation 7, verse 9. I won't have it on the screen for you. But in Revelation chapter 7, in verse number 9, this is when... All the multitude from the great tribulation, they're all around the throne of God and they're singing, salvation belongs to the Lord. It's all these believers that have been, been, been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Look what it says. It says, John the Revelator says this in verse 9, Revelation 7. says, after this I looked and there was a vast multitude. Get this, from every nation and every tribe and every people and every language which no one could number standing before the throne and before the Lamb. And they were robed in white with palm branches in their hand. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb who was there. Every tongue, every tribe, every nation, every race. Listen. I don't care what the color of your skin is. You're welcome here at Victory Church. Amen. I don't care what your social background may be. I don't care what your financial status may be. I don't care if you have enough degrees after your name that you look like a thermometer. Hello? All that matters is if you're breathing, you're welcome because Jesus loves you. We love you. He died for you. Jesus has a plan for you. He has a plan for every single one of us. We all have a place here in the family of God. Hello? Woo! (laughs) Man, I want to get down there so I can say amen, really. Woo, that's good. 
Hello? It's about our identity not being in our politics. It's our identity not being in our race. Now, we all come from different races, obviously. Those many of us do. We have different cultures. We have different backgrounds. I thoroughly enjoyed myself last night. Over, over at Gary and Anna Kalita's house, when they were exposing and sharing with us the culture of, of Hawaii, I'd never known some of that stuff. I was getting educated as I'm sitting there watching that. And I'm like, thank God for all these amazing, beautiful cultures and countries and states that we all come from. But you know what? Scripture says, for God so loved the white man, the black man, the, no, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If you can't stand shoulder to shoulder with someone that's different color skin, then let me tell you, you got a problem, honey. Hello? Hello? You have the problem. We got to make a stand. And we got to get to the place where our identity, our identity is in Christ. My goodness, I got to go on. There's so much more. I've got, like, I, could, I could preach for a couple more hours here, but we got to stop. Let me give you number two. We got to have solid biblical convictions, okay? Number two, we got to have solid biblical convictions. Matter of fact, let me back up here to our identity is in Christ. There's a verse of scripture I want you to get. Uh, Byron, if you will, pull it up. It's Romans 12, 1 through 2. Now, this is in the message, paraphrased version of the Bible. And I think I put the reference in your notes. I want you to underline that and circle it. I want you to go home and really read that and unpack it. But here's what it says. Now, this is in the message, paraphrase of Romans 12. It says, so here's what I want you to do. Okay? This is the message from God. Here's what he wants us to do. God helping you, he wants you to take every day... Your, take your everyday, your ordinary life. How many have just an ordinary life? That would be me. <laughs> just, just an ordinary life. Okay? So, so God has a plan for me. God has a purpose for me. And Scripture says, I want you to take that. I want you to take that ordinary life that you have. I want you to take your sleeping. I want you to take your eating. How many enjoy sleeping? I asked my wife this morning. I said, did you rest good? She said, yeah. She said, did you rest good? Well, I think I did because I don't remember anything until the alarm went off. Right? So I guess that's a good, nice rest, right? So you, you, you're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, you're walking around in life, and place it before God as an offering. Wow. Guys, when we get to the place where we could take our ordinary, everyday life, our eating, our sleeping, our working, just mundane life that we live, and we can place it before the Lord as an offering, we then are at a good place. But look what it says. It says, do not become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. And we got to be careful we don't default into that, right? Because our identity is in Christ. Number two is that we have solid biblical convictions. Now, Daniel 1.8, I've already kind of shared with you, and I've already given you my thunder on this. Daniel 1.8, he had already purposed in his heart that he was not going to defile himself, and he came out ten times better. But I want you to know, we've got to have biblical convictions, not just convictions. A lot of folks have convictions, and they share them with me, and they preach on them, they stand on them. I'm like, man, 
Only one problem with that conviction. I don't see chapter and verse for it. Hello? So I'm talking about key word biblical convictions. So let me ask you a few questions. What kind of convictions do you have? And then the question I want to ask is, are they biblical? Do you have chapter and verse to back up that conviction? Well, it doesn't matter what your convictions are, good, bad, ugly, indifferent, whatever they are. If you don't have chapter and verse to back it up, then you're building a house on the sand. And it one day will crumble and fall all around you. The songs that Tyler was singing up here for us today was talking about building on a solid, firm foundation, right? And the only way we can do that is when we have biblical convictions. I want to share with you one of my biblical convictions, and then I've I've got to stop. And I apologize for going too long today. One of my biblical convictions, when we were building this building, before any of the drywall went up, actually before before the... walls went up around the outside all we had was the foundation and by the way i don't know if you know this but on the right front corner of the foundation when we were pouring the concrete for the foundational pillar that would hold up the right front corner up by the connection cafe that front corner when we were pouring the concrete when it backed up and they dropped the uh the chute from the concrete truck to pour tons and tons of concrete down in a hole just for our foundation that we can build on i said okay boys whenever you do that whenever you get about halfway i want you to stop They said, what do you want to do? I said, I want to take one of my study Bibles. And I went to my office, and I got one of my study Bibles that I'd had for many, many years. And I said, I want our church to literally be built upon the Word of God. And what I want us to do, I want you to stop pouring. So they stopped pouring the concrete. We got down in there. We placed the Bible in that concrete pillar. And then we told them to continue. And they went the rest of the way, and they poured concrete all around. And the concrete front pillar of this church is God's Word. When we built this platform, I said, okay, guys, whenever we build this platform, there's one more thing I want you to do. I want you to build me a shelf right here because I want to go get one, another one of my study Bibles. And I went to my office, and I got another one of my study Bibles, and I put it right here, and I said, now you can put the plywood on. You can put it all down. I literally want to be standing on the Word of God every single Sunday when I stand here and preach God's Word. And then, before we started putting up the walls all around the church, I came out here one Saturday morning all by myself. Everybody was gone. Just the concrete footings had been poured all around the building. And I got a, a can of black spray paint, and I started writing Scripture all around the footers on this building before we started building walls. Starting on the back corner right here and going all the way down the back and up the side, I put and wrote one of my biblical convictions. And it's an old hymn that I remember singing in church when I was a boy. It's since then become one of my favorite old, old hymns and old songs because there's so much truth in it. It goes something like this, if I can get, catch my breath and try to sing it for you. But here's my biblical conviction. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood. And righteousness, I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, 
All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. When darkness veils His lovely face, I rest on His unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. Sing it with me. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. His oath, His covenant, and His blood support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, He then is all my hope and stay. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Listen to this fourth verse. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found. Dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. That is my biblical conviction that's why i preached from day one when we started this church in march of 1999 that life is not about religion it's about a relationship and having a personal relationship with the king of kings and the lord of lords with jesus christ himself life is not about what denomination you belong to it's not about politics it's not about race it's not about finances it's not about any of that stuff it's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. Guys, we, we, we err in standing on our convictions if they're not biblical convictions that we have chapter and verse 4. i got to stop. Band, come on up. I, I could go on. i got to stop. Let me get, give you this one. We have a choice. We can fit in or we can stand out. Right? We just fit in with the crowd and everything or we can stand out. We can go with the flow. <laughs> you got to understand, I was raised in the South, right? And that old classic Southern rock music kind of comes out. So whenever I wrote this, we can go with the flow. We can run against the wind. Immediately what I think about. Bob Seger, right? Right? Here it is, though. We can fit in or we can stand out. We can just go with the flow or we can stand against the wind. Now, there should probably be a whole other message on how you do that. You can't stand belligerently. You can't stand slamming everybody. You can't destroy a person. Right? you got to stand the right way. And how would Jesus stand? It says that he ate with sinners and publicans. He loved people. And he talked to them about a relationship. That's how we stand. We don't stand by throwing rocks. We don't stand by casting judgment. 
We stand by just loving people and letting them know that Jesus loves them and letting them know there is a right and a wrong way. And I'm sorry, I didn't write the book. I'm just the messenger, just living by it. But there's a way we all can come out ten times better. That's if we make a stand on Scripture, like Daniel did. We purpose in our heart. So I guess my question is, will you help me this week in our D6 study? Together, can we make a stand for truth? Not your political views. I'm up to here with that nonsense. I'm just so sick of it. Sick of it. I am so sick of it. Can we make a stand together for biblical truth that we can impact our culture in a way that they then too could line up with what God's Word says? I promise you to make a difference. But where does that start? It starts in your home. It starts around the dining room table. Gather the family there. Influence. Make an impact on your family. I tell you guys, and I've told my family this for years, we could lose every material thing we have in this world, and it wouldn't mean a thing to me as long as I had my family. That's all that matters. There's only one thing you'll take with you to heaven, and it's not your bank account, it's not your home, it's not the car you drive, it's not the clothes on your back. Only one thing you'll take with you to heaven. That's your kids and your grandkids. I'm telling you, I'm be a grandpa. That's it. I want my whole family in heaven. I want my whole family making an impact for Christ in their life today. Right? I want our church to make an impact for Christ. I want the doors of our church to be open to anybody that walks in. But at the end of the day, we've got to stand for what God's Word teaches. We do that the right way. Every race is welcome. Every social, economic status that folks are in, they're all welcome. Jesus died for all. We got to be welcoming to all. But at the end of the day, we got to stand. Where God's word says yes, we emphatically say yes. Where God's word says no, we emphatically say no. Where God's word does not clearly define, we can't be emphatic there. That's where we say, you know what? You've got to take that up personally with the Lord. Would He be pleased with that decision you're about to make and whatever it is you're doing? Right? The main thing is we love God. We love others. We pass our faith to the next generation. If we're intentionally doing that every day, standing for truth, we will make an impact on our culture. I invite you to do that. Father, thank you for our time together today. Thank you, Lord, for each one that's here. And I know I've been long today. But, God, I had to get this message off my heart. Families need this message. Our culture, our society, our nation, our world need to know there is an absolute truth. There is a divine, supreme authority in all of life. And that is you, O oh God. Help us to submit to that and help us to make an impact in our culture in a way that brings you honor and glory. And help us to realize that life is not about me 
And it's not about me being happy. And it's not about me living whatever way I want to live. Life is about me seeing what your word says. Purposing in my heart that I'm not going to defile myself. Well, thank you for joining us for this lesson from the word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with or maybe you just want someone to talk to, Please call us at 618-622-9360, or you can email us at victoryfwb at gmail.com. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials, or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email, call, or send a request to 223 Scott Troy Road, O'Fallon, Illinois, 62269. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.